0: Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Worship this morning. It's good to be up here this morning as we continue our series in the book of Galatians. Freedom from sin is found in Jesus and in Jesus Christ alone. Pastor Matt preached last week, we are righteous by faith. It's by God's grace that we are made righteous by faith, not by our works. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for this morning where we could come here and worship you because you alone are worthy. Lord, just let your truth go forward this morning, Lord, and let it sink into our hearts and minds and change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You'll see a depiction of this gentleman. He is Staff Sergeant Anthony Anderson. He is the Stolen Valor Detective. From a laptop at his kitchen table in a quiet subdivision outside Columbia, South Carolina, Anderson investigates a particular particular form of lying that has become known as stolen valor. Stolen valor is simply civilians fibbing about their uh, military service or veterans embellishing their records with bogus claims of battlefield medals and missions with elite units. Fueled by coffee and Coke, he goes about unmasking imposters as a detective might, digging through public records and compiling dossiers. His computer dings with Facebook messages and his phone buzzes with texts, many of them from a loose network of self styled investigators, mostly veterans themselves, scattered across the country. Now, when asked whether He had a greater distaste for embellishers or civilians pretending to be military. Anderson was quiet for a long moment, and then he answered, if you served, you should know better than a civilian what it means. He eventually said, I have got a lot of friends and family who have been wounded or killed, who have sacrificed for these awards. I have friends that have even taken their own lives because of what they endured. So for somebody else to claim it, when they haven't earned it, it just makes you angry. Those two sentiments, that people should know better if they've lived it, they should know better if if they've seen people earn it, that if you served and you should know better than a civilian what it means, and for someone else to claim it, when they haven't earned it, it just makes you angry. I believe these two sediments would exactly describe the Apostle Paul in today's text. See, Paul is trying to get these Galatian believers to stop listening to the nonsense that salvation must be earned and they must work towards perfecting their own lives to become holy. Today's verses center around the fact that we cannot work to earn anything from God, not salvation and not the perfecting work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, when we start to claim that we are the ones doing the work, and when we start to say we're perfecting ourselves, in a sense, we commit stolen valor. We claim we sacrifice to earn salvation, not Jesus. We claim we are the ones doing the work to perfect our lives in our own power, and not the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly why the title of today's sermon today is Stolen Valor. Stolen Valor is a despicable and disgusting act. It's done by attention-seeking individuals that want to take credit for the sacrifice and unimaginable work other people had to endure. We will hear today how this certain group of false teachers was also preaching that if you want to become more holy, you have to follow these certain rules and rituals. Paul's emphatic that none of what these false teachers are saying this morning can earn you salvation or make you more like Jesus. Let's get into our text this morning. We'll be in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Uh, Read it along in your Bibles or follow along on the screen. Verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? If we were to take these five verses and we were to boil them down into one main idea, we would get this. Where the true gospel is believed, we will see the work and the power of the Holy Spirit where the true gospel is believed. And that's why we're going through our 289 class, the book, What is the Gospel? Because we want to make sure we know what the true gospel is. Amen? Amen. Because that is the only way we're going to see the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's dive into our verses to find out why this statement is true. Verses 1 and 2. You see, it was widely known that Jesus died on the cross for our salvation. And at salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit. So Paul's asking, why are you going back? You already know this to be true. Why are you now going backwards? He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith. Right off the bat, Paul's coming at them pretty harsh, and he's calling them foolish. He's not saying you're stupid or or anything bad like that. He's coming at them and saying, listen, you're lacking obedience to what you already know to be true. How foolish is that? If you already know this to be true, why would you allow someone to tell you that it's different? Who bewitched you? Well, it's those darn Judaizers we've been talking about. False teachers that were plaguing the Galatian church. They were preaching that faith is not just by faith in Jesus and his work on the cross, that you needed to keep doing these Jewish rituals and, and just other things in order to be saved and to be made more holy. Paul saying, you know it's by faith alone in Jesus' death on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. Why are you going backwards? And he points to something that he knew everybody would know about. You remember Jesus' crucifixion, right? You guys remember about that, right? Paul points to the fact that Jesus was crucified and it was historical. It was a well-known fact in that time that Jesus was crucified on that cross. Today, it's not much different. We can look at Jewish historians and Roman historians and Greek historians. These are people outside of Scripture that wrote about this Jesus and his followers who claimed that he raised from the dead after being crucified. Church, these are people, these are writers that were anti-Christian. They didn't want Christianity to be true. Yet, as Paul says, his crucifixion was on public display for all. He's anchoring his message in the unmistakable truth that Jesus was crucified on the cross, and everybody should know about it because it's true. It's awesome that we can have perfect confidence today in the historical fact that Jesus was crucified on the cross and, dare I say, resurrected. If you really examine the evidence, it only points one way. But what's even better, in Paul's point here, is that the crucifixion was full payment for our sin. It doesn't need to be supplemented by any human works. In fact, the gospel message is that we cannot keep the law, and we must rely on Jesus. Let's go back to verse 2. So that's true. Paul's asking here, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, or by hearing and faith? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law, or did you receive it by hearing in faith? Obviously, to any believer who received the Spirit when they first believed, they did not receive it by keeping the law, because keeping the law is impossible. Amen? Amen. Brings us to our first point that we saw a little bit ago. The crucifixion was a widely known fact and was the completed work for salvation and for us to receive the Holy Spirit. That's it. It's all about the crucifixion, and it was the completed work for our salvation and in order for us to receive the Holy Spirit. Paul was clarifying that these false teachers want you to take your eyes off of the truth foolishly and rely on men and man's work for the things of God. He's saying you don't need these men or the religious beliefs in order to be saved and receive the Holy Spirit. You just need to have faith in Jesus' death on the cross. Which leads into the next verses 3 and 4. Let's say you do believe salvation was only gained by faith in Jesus' crucifixion. He goes on to say, now you believe human effort is going to impress God? He starts out in verse 3 again, are you so foolish? You're going against what you already know to be true. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He's saying you're being misled if you think you received the Spirit by faith, but now you're perfecting yourself by works. One commentator put it this way, He said the notion that the sinful, weak, fallen nature of human beings could improve in the saving work of the Holy Spirit was ludicrous to Paul. That's why he's being so harsh with his language, going, you fools. You actually think that Jesus is the one that did all the work and saved you, but now you're going to call yourselves Christian, but now you're going to have to work towards making yourself holy? that's not how this works. If we can't save ourselves at salvation, how can we perfect ourselves to become holy as God is holy? Church, let me ask you this. Which part of these two people are more holy? The person that refrains from eating certain things and following rituals and rules Or the person that allows the Holy Spirit to convict them of sin in their lives and seek forgiveness. Absolutely all day long, Miss Kathy. Amen. It's that second one. Obviously the one who allows the Holy Spirit to work in their lives and perfect them. That is the person that will become more holy. And Paul says in verse 4, He gets really serious and he says, Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? He's saying, If you think, Fong, certain rituals and laws can gain you holiness, do you even understand salvation at all? Is this all in vain? Are you laboring in vain? did you really experience the saving grace of the Holy Spirit or was this just all in vain? Now, he's not telling them they're unsaved, but he's questioning them. If this is your motive and this is what you are going to believe saved you, you better get this right. And it brings us to our second point this morning. The true mark of a Christian is the Holy Spirit's continual work in their lives. We talked a little bit about this this morning in our class. The idea of a Christian should be always the Holy Spirit convicts you of a certain thing in your life and he allows you to understand that's wrong and you repent of it and ask forgiveness and you are forgiven. Paul's explaining here that if someone is saying they are perfecting themselves and do not need faith to do it, they probably don't really understand how faith works at all. we're reminded of our main idea, where the true gospel is believed, we will see the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's so true, because if you don't believe the true gospel, the Holy Spirit can't do works in your life. Your heart can't be changed. You can't be made more like Jesus. The true evidence that you have the true gospel is the real work of God in your life. Paul's saying, these false teachers, don't listen to them. Don't be foolish. They are just like those that are committing stolen valor. They are claiming they made the sacrifice and they do the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That they know how to do this apart from them. And you know what? Just like a real soldier will start to see the lies and some of the inconsistencies in people that claim that they served, Paul says Christians shouldn't be that much different. I mean, when someone comes to you and they're saying, I am a great Christian because of all I did and not what Jesus did for them, you might start to question, do they really understand faith at all? Last, Paul makes this point in verse 5. He says, you guys, you Galatian church, You've seen some amazing things done so that you know could not have happened through the power of man. Or do you think that it was by man keeping the law that these awesome things could happen? It says, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Church, if we're going to experience anything supernatural anything at all. And I always say one of the greatest things that we can experience is the miracle of a life changed. Someone coming to the saving faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ and giving their lives to them. If we want to see that happen here amongst our people, we have to believe it's the work through the whole, of the Holy Spirit working through us. No one person here can Perform any magical works that are going to help us grow as a church. Not if we do correct growth, which is saving faith through Christ. Here's the problem because no matter how good we think we are, we're in need of one major thing, and that is a changed heart, not just changed behavior. We need God to change our hearts. That can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit, period. And it brings us to our third point. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, anything is possible. Now listen, I'm not making this a, a, you know, a, a, a slogan so that you can play sports better. Not anything is possible according to the will of God. Pastor Jared's never going to dunk on an on a NBA rim, Okay. No, no matter how much I allow the Holy Spirit to work through me. We can only see changes in our own hearts and our own lives when we submit to the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to work harder. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor really quick. Tell them, you don't need to work harder. You need to believe more and be obedient to what you know is true. I know it's a lot, pick it up later. (laughs) Guys, we know that we need to believe more in God and we need to be obedient to his word. Let us not be foolish and give all that up for a bunch of religious junk. As Mike comes forward and and we start to close, I really want us to think about this stolen valor thing. I'm going to ask you a question here, and it's going to sound ridiculous, but think about it. Who really sacrificed so we could be saved? Was it us? Of course not. That's ridiculous. I don't remember seeing any of you on a cross, and I wasn't either. Who is really working in your life to make you more like Jesus? Is it you? Are you fitting that load? Are you claiming you're something you are not or have accomplished things that you yourself have not really accomplished? Wants to think about this as we kind of just go over our points from this morning. Remember the first one. The crucifixion was a widely known fact and was the completed work for salvation for us and for us to receive the Holy Spirit. Paul saying, don't be foolish. We know that the, the crucifixion and the death of Jesus and His resurrection. It's the completed work for our salvation and for us to receive the Holy Spirit when we place our faith in Him. As a Christian, i love to also remind myself that this isn't all some made-up religion. You can look back through history and you can see these things actually took place. As a believer, by the grace of God, I can have complete faith that Christianity is true because it is also historical. Everyone that examines the historical evidence has to at least admit that a man named Jesus was crucified, he was buried, and then there was this empty tomb we gotta deal with. But as believers, we know what this means. We can be saved, we can receive the Holy Spirit, We can have hope for eternity and even reap the benefits of that now. It's not so we can win arguments with people about what happened back in the day. It's so that we can be encouraged and know that there is salvation. We can receive the Holy Spirit to guide us and to make us more like Jesus. And we have hope for eternity. And it's a hope that's based in history. Church, are you living your life right now like everything you read in Scripture is absolutely true? When you crack open God's Word, do you just look at it as kind of a good way to live your life or something that's a good suggestions? Are you reading it like every word is absolutely true? Are you resting in the fact, though, that it is God's work that you were to be saved and perfected? It's God's work. Our job is to listen to the Holy Spirit and be obedient to God's word. Amen? Brings us to our next point. The true mark of a Christian is the Holy Spirit's continual work in their lives. I had an Uncle Dave, and he was a Marine. He uh, passed away uh, some years ago from brain cancer. But when I was growing up, he was one of my favorite uncles because he was a Marine, and that was really cool. And he would, like, write me letters and stuff uh, as a little kid and send me, like, medals that he got for, a, you know, sharpshooting and stuff. But I remember I was a little bit older and we were hanging out. And a guy came up and they're like, oh, you're a Marine? Yeah, I'm a Marine. And they they started talking and, and stuff like that. The guy leaves and my uncle looks at me and he goes, I don't know what that guy was, but he was definitely not a Marine. And I was like, how, how do you know that? Like, how can you tell? He goes, easy. Didn't know things that a Marine should know. Um, I asked them certain places in certain uh, army bases or in boot camp where things were. He didn't have the slightest clue. Servicemen and women can tell when someone is fake and has never served. Like I said before, Christians shouldn't be much different. You know someone's pretty authentic if they come and speak of all Jesus has done for them, not what they have done for Jesus. And as we get to know someone on a deeper level, you will start to see the continual work of God in their lives. You will start to see that for you. You might be asking yourself, well, how do I know that God is working in my life this morning? Let me give you a couple of things. Number one, Does sin in your life bother you? Does sin in your life bother you? If you sit here this morning and you say you are without sin, you need to go back to step one. Does sin in your life bother you? Because if you have the Holy Spirit working in your life, you're not going to be comfortably doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Or not doing things you should be doing. Do you have the urge to repent and be forgiven by those around you? Is that part of who you are as a person? When you have sinned against somebody or sinned against God, do you feel that need to repent, that means to admit what you did was wrong and turn from that and ask for forgiveness? Is that part of what you do every day? Because that is a really good sign the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Are you more concerned with the things of God rather than the things of this world? That's a tough one that we all fall into, right? But I can remember one time I was counseling this individual, and they came to a point where they were really questioning their salvation, which, by the way, is a healthy thing to do sometimes. But once you get that cemented and you know surely that you're saved, it is a freeing thing but they were were working out their own salvation by trying to make sure that what they were believing in was absolutely true. And I listened to them for a while, and all I heard about stuff was they were worried that their sin offends God. And they were worried that they're just not the Christian they should be. And I thought about it for a second, and I blurted out, that is fantastic news. And they're like, what? I just told you, I'm not doing good things. I'm not living the way that I should be living. And I said, you know what? You need some work. But on the whole, that is fantastic news. You know why? Because an unsaved person doesn't care that their sin offends a holy God. An unsaved person doesn't sit around and wonder, why am I not the Christian I should be? That was the convicting of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? They were listening all they needed to do was stop beating themselves up for it and trust in the holy spirit's saving work in their lives and the third point this morning when we allow the holy spirit to work in us anything is possible it's an incredible thing when god moves into your life when you are first saved what's even more incredible is when you allow him to take over say, God, everything I have is yours. You're the one that paid for my salvation. My life is yours. Just take over. Now listen, I'll warn you, it's painful at times. It's pretty painful. But you actually start to see the effects of him in your thought life and in your actions and you start, you, you end up in places that you never imagined in your walk. Church, can you hear the small, quiet voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's that small, quiet voice that says, man, what you did there wasn't right. You need to make that right. Or urges you to do something outside your comfort zone so that others may know the glory of Christ. Are you willing to allow Him to shape you and hold you? If you do, I promise you, see some amazing things start to happen in your life. And this brings us to our main idea. Where the true gospel is believed, we will see the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. That is why the truth of the gospel is the most important thing that we can handle. Because if we believe the true gospel, we will see the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in this church. Let's pray lord praise you father in heaven that we can know the truth of the gospel praise you that when we act in faith you show up in our lives and you change our hearts we pray that you heal us from our sin lord and give us freedom from it in jesus name we pray thank you for joining us today For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.